0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Mike Trico joins in a second. I really enjoyed this conversation. Great nuggets on being in Detroit for an incredible game over the weekend. He's going back to Detroit this week, although he just lives down the road in Ann Arbor. Um, Great conversations about Bill Belichick, the analyst. Awesome nuggets there. Mahomes kind of seeing him from a broadcast booth type of angle, what that looks like. I really, really learned a lot from this. Um, Want to address... The unfathomable, which is Mike McCarthy is returning as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I know. I, I saw it. You don't have to. You don't have to tweet at me. I know that Jerry Jones typically gives a longer leash to coaches. Jason Garrett getting nine years. Uh, Wade Phillips probably got a year longer, half a year longer than than he should have. I understand that. But there's two things. Number one, Mike McCarthy will have coached as long as Jimmy Johnson, and longer than Barry Switzer, and Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells resigned, but that, that whole thing was running its course. Stability for the sake of stability is not useful. And I think that sometimes we, we overrate patience when you're on the wrong track. The second part of this is that Jerry Jones on Sunday said this was the most disappointing playoff loss of his career. I don't know how you say that and then say, you know what? The guy who orchestrated it. And by the way, maybe Jerry Jones is the guy who orchestrated it. But the guy who was coaching on the sideline, who's taking responsibility for this, let's run this back. What's changing in the next eight months that's going to make things better? Because the point of all of this is to win the Super Bowl. Allegedly. The point of all of this is to win the Super Bowl. And Mike McCarthy has proven time and time again that when a bunch of really good teams are playing and everybody's playing their best, that Mike McCarthy is not up for the task of guiding a team. That's nothing personal. I don't hate Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is a pretty nice guy. But that's, that is the goal. And that's the goal he's short of. I don't know... How else to explain this i don't know in a league where kyle shanahan has a ton of talent and maximizes it where a bunch of teams on the roster side are all in like i don't know where you're making up those edges when you get to the playoffs and don't advance that either means you have all of the coaching in the world and no talent or all the talent in the world and no coaching i understand the argument and i saw it a couple times last night from x players He's won 36 games over three years. Is it the right move? I would argue that's the expectation when you're handed a roster like this. It is a very good roster. For all of the Cowboys quirks, one of their strengths is talent acquisition. They do that well. But something else is broken along the lines. If you get good players and you never win anything significant with them, that means you're broken. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Tirico. All right, Mike Tarico is here, one of my favorite national voices. He's calling Bucks at Lions the second straight Detroit Lions game for a guy just down the road in Ann Arbor that's very convenient and very awesome because it's an amazing story to tell. <laughs> What's
1: going on, Mike Tarico? Kevin, yeah, good to talk to you, man. Good to be on with you. Uh, it's a fun time of the year multiplied by the fact that I get to be home for a little bit. It, uh, it's not the worst thing to do after 21 weeks on the road, that's for sure.
0: I, I hear that. So let's start here. Um, I think, no matter, frankly, no matter what happens <clears> – <throat> This weekend, I think last weekend in Detroit, that moment, Matthew Stafford, yeah. all of that stuff is going to stick in a lot of people's minds. You saw that. Obviously you saw the tears. You talked about it. You see the 66 year season ticket holders, all of that stuff in 15 years and 20 years. When someone comes up to you at Starbucks and says, what do you remember about that <laughs> night? What's it going to be? Yeah.
1: You know, it will be the fans. Uh, I, I made sure I took a minute before the game to kind of look around the place a little bit. And I, I don't know because people were watching the Green Bay game, how much of this, you got to see on the pregame show, but the place was, Kevin, I'd say three quarters full, yeah. about 45 minutes before kick. Stafford comes out, gets booed. Goff comes out, and they're chanting his name like you're chanting the name of a <laughs> fighter yeah. or a hockey player, right? I've never seen that before. And even an hour and a half before, Packer touchdowns were being cheered in Ford field, like a division rival because people knew, obviously, it meant a home game for them. So that atmosphere built and built and built right to the crescendo at the end and to have it come down to a play and make the play and then get a minute and a half to celebrate it. I think looking at the people beneath us in the booth and the the folks in the stands, I mean, I think it sticks with me for a long time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I saw those clips out, obviously the Jared Goff chance. It seemed like, I mean, forget college football, like a packed college basketball arena, where it was like every movement was being watched. Everybody, it's like they had pre-planned cheers. It was like the biggest student section on the the planet, Mike.
1: And people were all in and pulling in the same direction. And, you know, I I think part of it is, too, there's a connection with a city that had been knocked down and beat up nationally by many folks and has had a resurgence as well. You know, I, I... I get a little bit uh, melancholy about this stuff, but I I do believe it in my soul sports. When you work in local news is the toy department. Hey, can you just give us a minute? Right. The weather is much more important. We have to talk about the high pressure system in Alberta that's sweeping through the country, even though you're not going to Alberta and you know, nobody in Alberta. Right. (laughs) Um, So I, I just think that sports connect people in ways that nothing else does. And that's a little bit of what happened here. So it was the, Stop beating us up that Detroit versus everybody, everyone, uh, those sweatshirts that go around. That plus watching. A fun team because going forward on fourth down, uh, aggressive style of play, aggressive defense, an offense that can move the ball down the field on the ground or in the air. There's kind of a fun element to watching this team play. I think all of that together kind of built up to what it was like on that Sunday night.
0: Yeah, and I think the Dan Campbell part of it is so massive. I spent some time around Dan, and he embraces the – um, the rise of the city along yeah. with the franchise thing and, and he was a player there and he understood that and he understood he was there in 2008, 2009 when when things were were quite bad and he was always thinking like, what if we could improve this franchise what what would that look like? And I think it's interesting. I mean what have your interactions been uh with, with Dan, you know, production meetings, all that stuff yeah. and kind of his place in in Detroit and how he views that.
1: So I'll give you a story that I haven't told anybody yet. Uh, we were. Uh, up in northern Michigan. So Michigan is two peninsulas, lower and upper. And there's a five-mile bridge that connects it called the Mackinac Bridge. And there's an island there that has no motor-powered vehicles, some scooters, horses, that's it, right? So there's a great hotel there called the Grand Hotel, and they host a statewide event, the Mackinac Policy Conference. And they brought in some sports people for leadership conversation. And Dan was one of the guests, and I was one of the panel uh, hosts. I led the panel. So I got to spend time with Dan and his wife. We talked a little bit. And I think the thing you come away with when you spend time around Dan, like he's intense. He's passionate. He gets it. He's not a meathead at all. He's a really, really smart guy who really has a very direct way of connecting with people. And I think that has been translated to his team. I think they're very direct. They're very honest and they know what they're doing. So they're not afraid to celebrate the moment, to celebrate the accomplishment, to live in it and say, Hey, now we're, we got to prepare for this game. And then what happens the week after and the week after and not act like you haven't been there before. So if I say anything about Dan, that doesn't come through the TV, smart, cerebral connects with people from a various walks of life. I mean, you can have mm-hmm. a CEO or a backup long snapper and Dan cable, finds a way to connect with them. And I think Kevin, and you talk to people all the time about football. That's what that head coach job is as much yeah. as anything. Now it's a people business. And can you be a leader of men? And he may be the definitive leader of men for 2024.
0: So I completely agree. And also the last thing i'll say on this like the kneecaps thing everybody talks about i, I asked him right. that and he said the one thing i wasn't trying to do is make the national media happy In my introductory press conference i was talking right. to our fans and our players and that's what i was trying to get through and then you, you know you kind of get it carried away and it called he said it called to me and all of a sudden you do it but then it gets on radio and stuff but he doesn't care at all because he, all he wants no. to do is win over the fans and the players which is exactly how most coaches should operate but very few do frankly
1: it's minimal messaging in the media. He comes in there with a kind of an honesty and just lays yep. it straight out there. And, and here's the deal. You know, I talked to a head coach who got hired a couple of years ago. We we're talking about uh, an anecdote around his hiring. And he said, Yeah, I was there. I was getting ready. I get my time ready. We we're trying to go out there and win the press conference. Right. Yep. And we talk about it. And now the coaches know that that's a thing. Like, let's go out and win the first press conference. Remember, Nick Siriani lost the opening press conference. They got to the Super Bowl. Now it's, wait a minute, what's going on with Philadelphia, right? So the coaches are aware that Dan was just raw Dan. He was just up there and like, dude, here's the deal, man. And it was the introduction that you got three years ago. And it's three years to the day on Sunday is the same guy you get on the sideline. And this job usually changes people. I think we've all seen head coaches changed by the pressure, the atmosphere, the market, all that stuff. I think Dan Campbell is very, very similar to the guy he was when he walked up to the press conference, the kneecaps and all that stuff.
0: I completely agree. Um, so we've had a couple of legends changing teams over the past uh, couple of weeks or just leaving their team. I'm curious. Uh, I will – Belichick in production meetings. I've talked to Chris Collinsworth about this before. He can either be the, the best football teacher in the world or right. just not right. really be that into it. Um, behind closed doors, as someone who gets access, most people don't. Bill Belichick to you is what, Mike?
1: He's great to me. Um, yeah. And I think I understand Bill doesn't want to sit there and tell you, you know, who the who the third linebacker is going to be when we're playing <laughs> nickel, right? He just doesn't, right. He doesn't want to do that. You know, he, you gotta, he wants to know if you work. If you work and ask a question, yeah. Based off of your work, uh, you'll get an answer. You also have to know how to ask Bill to get stuff that you're going to be using with value in the show. So my relationship with Bill is a little bit unique, and it's very cool. So, uh, up until I've, I've worked both playoff games in Ford Field, the game last last week, and Super Bowl Forty in 2006, Steelers and Seahawks. And that was an ABC Super Bowl. And the ESPN countdown crew did the pregame show. So the set was Berman and Tom Jackson and the whole deal. I was on a separate set. You know, Super Bowl four hours, you had a separate set with a current coach or somebody like that. I was on a separate set, and Belichick was my analyst. Oh, wow. And it was awesome. Um, the Athletic did a piece on it a couple of years ago, and it was yeah. really good because somebody went back and watched the pregame. Bill was amazing. So I went up to Foxborough when Bill said, yes, he would do this. They had 138. They had 139. They lost 40 in the divisional playoff. Bill was approached, said yes, said he'd do it, said he'd do it with me on a separate set just two of us. And part of it was Bill did a feature since it was Super Bowl 40 on the great Super Bowl defenses of the decades, going back through them, the no-name defense and the Giants defense with LT, obviously, and the Ravens, that incredible defense that won Super Bowl Thirty Five. And so Bill did a great feature piece with some film and some XO. Here's why this defense was good. Here's LT. Here's this. So when we went up there, Bill said, Hey, I'll help you with this. Can you help me get ready to do this job as an analyst? I haven't done this before. And so we discussed some of the basics of the traffic, where to look, how to message for TV audience and things like that. And he was great. Right. Uh, But he prepared the Seahawks and the Steelers in a video presentation for me to go through what he thought was going to be the keys to the game. And it was almost like the presentation he got for the team, got ready for the team each week. So I walked out of there like, oh, my God. I was with my producer, Mark Loomis. Like, this is unbelievable. This is great. Bill was terrific on the air. And the last thing he said, no, Bill, you're not going to make a pick, but uh, what do you see in the game? He went through a couple of keys. And then he said at the end, he said, you know, Roethlisberger likes Ben's young at this point. Roethlisberger likes to run especially on third downs. And when they're right around midfield, so that's where they take their shot plays. Wouldn't you know, Roethlisberger runs for a first down on third down. The next play is the Heinz-Ward Antoine Randall-L touchdown. Wow. I'm sitting next to my producer and go, oh, my God, he nailed it. So <laughs> because of that relationship, um, Bill's always been really good with me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't get a lot. I don't get a lot. I'm not, I'm no, not being you. slipped any extra info. But you have to know how to ask him. You have to know what to ask him. And when it's been a tough week, he's not going to give you that much. So you engage him in something of interest. We did a Thursday night short week, Minnesota, new England game two years ago. Mm-hmm. Melissa Stark asked him about Thanksgiving. It was the coolest lesson I ever got about the history of army Navy for a kid living in Baltimore so because cool. of his dad. He talked about how a Thursday, I mean Thursday, we, we didn't have Thanksgiving dinner. We, you know, we, we did the parade. We, there was a parade. Cause it was the last practice of the year for Navy and you do the parade, and then guys go to the train on Friday. And he went through the whole deal. And we are just sitting there like kids hearing this most incredible story from the guy who lived it. Um, so history, um, comps of players, you got to know the right things to ask him. Yeah. Uh, and and when you do, he's good. I I respect the heck out of him. And I see why he was as successful as he was because of the – unbelievable no stone unturned hard work work ethic It's probably a longer answer than you wanted but that's the no that's the exactly belch- what that's i wanted. me yeah I,
0: I i take it that you agree with me that if you wanted to be candid and if you didn't want to go back into football and if you wanted to frankly say things about people he's comfortable with you know obviously he has a, a big coaching tree um he would be one of the best color analysts or oh. studio analysts we've ever seen
1: either one Either yeah. one in, you know, with a, uh, with a month to just say, Hey, here are the mechanics and understand it. Cause you know, he'd prepare like anybody else. Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd be, he'd be amazing. He sees so much in a game and during a game, preparing for a game. And, you know, my, my time around, like I've loved the fact that I got to work with an ex coach and an ex player yeah. uh, for my long runs with Gruden and now with Chris Collinsworth, you know, I, I saw the maniacal preparation of coaches when I was working with John that helped you understand why these guys will spend hours looking for one wrinkle that'll get them a couple of first downs in a game. Right. And one tendency in a guy that can be a tip and Hey, watch this, watch that. You know, I, I noticed his weights on his left foot. He's pretty heavy on his hands when they're going to run yeah. to the left and he's going to pull all that stuff. Right. Now, now I got it. I got to live it with, uh, I guess, seven years of working with John of watching that meticulous preparation And it helps you understand why there are certain guys who are here in that profession.
0: I have a a humble brag, which is when I was at the Wall Street Journal, I went to Chris Collinsworth's house to watch film with him for a piece. Yeah. And Uh. he, uh, he, we're watching the Seahawks Patriots, Malcolm Butler game. And we're watching um, the Seahawks defense as we were we're circling. And he said, man, Michael Bennett was in, we was watching, I think it was a divisional game we're watching. And he goes, Michael Bennett really wants to jump off sides. He really wants. He's like he wants to make a play so hard yeah. that that he's getting overeager, and someone's going to bait him, and, and and I'm I'm worried about that. And this is like you know a, a week before the game started, ten, right. ten days before yeah. the game started, and then the Malcolm Butler game happens. And if you remember, nobody remembers this. Obviously, Malcolm Butler comes out of the end zone and, and goes to like the two yard line, so it's a huge snap at the end. It's a huge right. snap.
1: Absolutely, the fight, the whole deal.
0: Yeah, Michael Bennett right. overeager to make a play. That's right. Offside.
1: That's right. I've right. never
0: seen That's right. it, anything like that. Where ten, I, I, like honestly, I was like, "Oh my!" It's kind of what you were saying about Belichick with the midfield thing. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like he, Chris saw this ten days ago from a little like move and thing, but it's incredible what these guys can pick up. That's
1: it. There, there's a you need a little bit of a beautiful mind. Yep. To really pick up football because of the nuances of. Offense doesn't know what they're going to do or knows what they're going to do. Defense doesn't know what they're going to do. And the action causes the reaction. And how does that play out? And how can you see that playing out when you extrapolate, okay, here's this defense playing against an offense I watched two days ago, right? Those things. And it's the little tendencies that you pick up. They say, you know what, this is going to mesh with that. And that's that's the fun of watching these guys work. And we, we'll sit in film on Saturday before a Sunday night game and I'll see the dots that Chris has pulled together and pulled together. And then he'll go back and say on a Saturday afternoon, you know, I, I, I need to watch a little bit more of Yaya Diaby, right? I, 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 like we, we had to watch all the sacks. Let's, let's all sit and watch all the sacks and figure out what, what it is about him. That's gotten them hot. Let's go back and watch him when he wasn't playing good. I'm just picking Diaby. I shouldn't have picked his name out, but, Um, let's go back and watch him earlier when he wasn't that good. Let's go back and watch him later on and see what's different. Stance, is he on a different side, all that stuff. And that ability to keep thinking of where is the answer to this question and where can I mine this stuff, that's what makes the best coaches and the best analysts and the best players what they are. I think a a lot of times you see it's not the physical talent. It's the ability to kind of get the intersection of physical talent and mental knowledge of the game, and that extends your peak of excellence. And that's why I think those are the special people: coaching, broadcasting, playing in the in the business. And those those are the people that make football the sport I love to cover so much because it's it's always some set of characters, it's always pretty cool.
0: Here's more with Mike Tirico after this.
1: Why should you bet with
0: Caesars Sportsbook? Two words, Caesars Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana. Indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Is there a a player or even a team? Because I think most people probably watch you and understand it's a different experience to call lamar jackson a quarterback than it would be joe burrow because right. um right. it's a you, you can't really take anything for granted with lamar is this a sack you might peel out of it you almost have to keep on stay on your toes is there a player we're going into a week you go oh I, i'm just so excited i get to call this guy's plays because it's just such a different experience
1: most of those quarterbacks josh uh mahomes yep. lamar of course right um even to some extent back in his scrambling days aaron Rodgers. Yep. Uh, just because of what you just said, you know, you know that great can happen at any moment. And it really kind of keeps you up on the wheel. You know, you kind of stay really focused because you've seen them do it and you're kind of counting on them doing it. What are they going to do? How are they going to get themselves out of this situation? And I, I would say that, you know, like this much consciously, but certainly you in your mind, you're thinking about, okay, don't give up on a play too quick with with this guy. Whereas, like you said, a less mobile like a Joe Flacco is probably not going to escape from something that these guys will. And also, it also keeps your eyes downfield a little bit as that guy is running around because you want to hope to catch out of your peripheral, uh, at least I do, who's coming free for him when he's scrambling, if he's scrambling to throw. You know, if Mahomes is coming to the one side, you know, sitting up in the box, you can see four receivers are right. Now, Mahomes is coming left you can kind of glance and see who's coming left with them. Right. And just almost anticipate the play and kind of build it for the audience uh, within each play. So yeah, th- those are, those are the guys, also a few running backs so you know, the elusive running backs who can make stuff happen, Barry back in the day. But uh, those, those are the guys who you uh, you, you kind of go in and just pump the brakes a little bit, make sure you take your time to get it right.
0: The crazy thing about seeing Mahomes live, especially from the kind of the press box angle that, that we would both have is that because his speed is always just fast enough. You also like the the way it develops from that angle where it looks like, it looks like maybe he's got eight yards and it's like, oh, he's, he's just fast enough to get, Oh, he's got 13. Okay. He's got 18. And then all of a sudden down the left side for a touchdown against the Titans. Like it's incredible to see how that develops because of his understanding of space on the field.
1: So I think football is a lot of straight lines, drop back, run a pattern, right? Uh, you know, of course, you get a run block, but when you run block, it's okay. Get the guy out here and go straight ahead. Go up to get the double team straight ahead. Patrick Mahomes, he kind of runs in rounded lines, right? <laughs> there's like an ease and a calm. It's always – there's always like an angle. Like you think of people running and they're straight up, right? Think of Patrick. It's always kind of like a little awkward, a little like this. And <clears throat> there's a unique style that he has that you're right. From up in the box, especially at Arrowhead with the TV boxes – and I found out it's one one level above Taylor Swift. I found that out on Saturday night. <laughs> um, it's you, you can see it develop, and you can kind of see the safety's taking an angle, and Mahomes is going to beat him by that much every single time, right? He's just – he. I don't think I've seen a guy who has just enough speed like he does. Um, it's not like he's inviting the hit. He just has enough. And isn't that what's great about – the best athletes, like sure. what, what LeBron always has enough. If LeBron's guarding, you know, earlier maybe in this great twenty years, LeBron's guarding a point guard or a two, right? He had just yeah. enough quickness, right? Mm-hmm. If he's guarding a five, inside, he just enough thickness and bulk, uh, to to keep him off the basket, right? So there's a there's a something about the great athletes that have that little extra in reserve ability to tap in. And Mahomes has that, whereas Josh is just kind of that bull in a china shop, and he's yeah. just going, and, you know, the next thing, it's just, the only thing that's going to stop him is usually some physics equation of contact, right? Uh, it's it's a different style, but you're dead on with Mahomes.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about this game this weekend. I think the most, obviously, like, the best story in sports is redemption, and yeah. uh, you have Baker Mayfield, you have Jared Goff. Um, what do you think about the the kind of narrative storylines going into this game? Because, I mean, either way, frankly, it's a beautiful quarterback story.
1: It, it is. So let's think about a second. The quarterback position is the most scrutinized, discussed, and difficult. You can say a bunch of positions are difficult, but difficult in all sports, right? And when you get taken number one overall, you are in the crosshairs for the rest of your career, right? You have to be great. And these guys have been pretty good. They've won playoff games. They're 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 functional stars. They haven't washed out. They haven't been busts. They're good players. But they've both been told, and one of them in a couple of different places, in Baker, not good enough. Move on. Right. And now they I don't want to say Baker's found a place as comfortably as I'll say Goff has found a place because Goff, we now have three years yep. and 51 games of empirical evidence that, you know what, this guy's a fit with this offense, he's a fit with this team, all that. It feels like it is with Baker. We just don't know yet. Uh, and I love the fact that they both have that chip on their shoulders in different ways. Mayfield, you can almost see it, right? Mm-hmm. Jared, you can almost see that he just kind of keeps them in the background, but it burns him inside. And so even the fact that you've got, like you said, Kevin, you get the parallels of these guys, yet they carry it in a different way. Mm-hmm. but both, both use it as fuel even adds to the conversation here and and one of them's going to be playing for the NFC championship against either the last pick in the draft or the guy who sat for three years and you know has proven proven Green Bay to be right. So just a sidebar here. So Green Bay's done this now twice yep they had a guy sit they drafted him mid to late first round had him sit and he's come right in and played well. So in the ultimate copycat league, Why does nobody else do that? Nobody else. And I understand value and first-round picks. You got to get them. Play them on his rookie contract. But it has worked. It has worked in spades for a franchise twice. And nobody else follows that to give the guy even a year. Look at Mahomes. He's the other example. Mahomes didn't play his first year except for the Week 17 game at that point. Why don't people do that? I I don't get that at all. I really don't. I'll throw out
0: a couple theories. Number one, no owner in Green Bay to say get the young guy on the field. Number two. Is that think about? We all say, oh, we got to do best player available in the draft. And then Brian Gutenkunst takes best player available with Aaron Rodgers in front of him. And everybody gets really mad. You got to be comfortable with the heat you're going to take yep. in, on a real deal succession plan. And yet, I just think it's impatience. You know, you mentioned the fact that uh, both Baker and Golf were discarded by their teams. I was talking to somebody on the show a couple weeks ago, and they were saying, it's the Mahomes effect where one guy comes in and saves your franchise and just changes the trajectory of your franchise. So everybody wants that. So the Bears might get rid of Justin Fields to get a Caleb Williams because he might be a Mahomes type. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Lions and the Bucks are showing there's a lot of different ways to manufacture – great offense yes. and, and, and Absolutely. great franchise without a Mahomes type, without a Josh Allen type, without, you know, that, that, that level of Burrow type, who's just going to change your franchise. You know, the, the old line, your franchise quarterbacks like deodorant. I understand that, but there's also <laughs> a lot of ways to smell good.
1: And, and what if, what, what, what's the next part of this? Do they command $45 million a year, whatever the going rate AAV is that, yeah. you know, for the, for the quarterbacks or, are they thirty million dollar a year guys? That's a big difference. A huge difference in what you can put around him. Now you can keep the offensive line. Look, golf, golf in front of an offensive line or behind an offensive line is very good. You know, make him have to run around, and scramble. He's not as good. We, we've seen that. It's not a knock. It's a fact. So, um, do you find one of those guys? the The quarterback situation is is so wonderful to watch because yeah. it's that head coach's vision of that guy. And with more offensive coaches getting hired because hire an offensive coach, then you don't have to change your system every couple of years. So if you hire a defensive guy, then the offensive guy, you know, he he calls eight good plays and people want to hire him to be (laughs) a coach somewhere, right? Right. And now you're starting over with your offense. That takes a team back a lot more than restarting with a defense. So with all of those, I I, I just think a deeper look into how to bring in and develop guys like J.J. McCarthy in this year's draft, in the 20s maybe, who knows, uh, Michael Penix. Yeah. How you handle that might set your franchise up for five years.
0: All right, we're going to get you out of this on badasses. Uh, we do this with every person. It's the most yeah. badass person right. you've ever been around in football, um, most badass person you've ever seen like in the game. So that could be somebody I saw in a Louisville game 25 years ago. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. The most badass thing you've ever seen in football, Mike Trico, is what?
1: Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Uh, the intensity from production meeting to – Conversations with people on the other teams, right? Uh, when he kind of takes somebody under his wing and just um to watching Steeler Raven games, like I watched Steeler Ravens games in the box. Remember a couple of Monday nights we did the games, just like fearful, right? Like I've just never seen such power, rage, um, ability, speed, all in one person. And um, Ray Lewis brought that in every possible way to football and to his connections in football. And I thought the like one it's not physical, right? But one badass thing about Ray Lewis was he was cool befriending guys on other teams. Mm-hmm. And it never crossed the line, right? It's like, no, I'm I'm gonna kind of play Godfather here. And I'm gonna tell you here are the ways of the world. I, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. So if you ask me for one who stuck out above everybody else over time, um, it would be Ray Lewis. Now I was Fearful of my own life when I met Chuck Bednarik for the first time. <laughs> just, just saw Bednarik, and he just he kind of does that famous picture from uh, when he knocked out Gifford. Uh, he kind does that pose. He's got finger, he had fingers pointing everywhere. But <laughs> I mean, he he's a badass. But I'd say Ray Lewis is my guy.
0: Daniel Jeremiah was on the show a couple months ago, and uh, he, one of his first jobs with the Ravens was weighing all the guys in. And and Billick was like, "We take this so seriously. There's fines associated with it. Right. No one skips out." And everybody's going, and Daniel Jeremiah's writing the stuff down, and then Ray Lewis just walks by and goes 2:45, and Daniel Jeremiah goes, "Yes, sir, Mister Lewis," and just walks out. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to stop him. Ray was just, just getting out, and Daniel Jeremiah's that's, like, "I am not going to say anything to Ray Lewis."
1: That is smart. That's why DJ's a smart dude. That's that's impressive. I love that one.
0: All right, Mike Tirico, Bucks Lions this week on NBC and Peacock. Thanks so much, man.
1: KeV, yeah, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Enjoy listening to your pod.